Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Shea Station podcast. It is episode 117. It's Thursday, December 8th. The winter meetings are wrapping up, and the Mets had quite the week in San Diego, bringing in all sorts of players. We're going to talk about their newest two acquisitions today, Jose Quintana and Brooks Raley. I'm one of your co-hosts, Jack, a.k.a. Jolly Olive. Joining me is Jerry Blevins. Jerry, how are you doing today? I'm good, man. I'm good. It's weird to see you at home now. Mm. It's, it's so rare you're, so, you're in the sweet. office working so hard all the time, and now I get to look at you while you're back home in your home office. I also didn't uh, notice until now, but I got to get, I got to adjust that poster there, I think. It's good. Also, I, I don't want to put you on the spot, but for the Rule 5 draft, did I know we picked up a guy named Zach Green. Yeah. Who Did we lose anyone? Uh, we didn't lose anybody. We're, we'll probably talk a little bit about Jake Mangum, who – I personally thought we were going to lose and then ended up just becoming the player cool. to be named we'll, later. We'll in throw that draft. in at the back end because, like, as I've stated a, a million times, that prospect stuff is not my cup of tea. Yeah. So, right. cool. I'm excited, though. I think I think they made, you know, the Verlander news was, was hot, great, big move. And then Quintana and then Brooks Raley, I think, are solid moves. So I'm excited to talk about them. Yeah, two Southpaws, two of Jerry's people coming. That's uh, that might Mets. be why I'm so excited to talk about them. I don't blame you, man. <laughs> uh, the first one in the the higher note was definitely Jose Quintana. Uh, he gets a two year, twenty six million dollar deal with the Mets to become a part of their rotation. The Mets really answered a lot of starting pitching questions this week, which is a relief for a lot of Mets fans. They got Verlander at the top. Now they get Jose Quintana from the middle. And Quintana has a really, really interesting career. He's a really fun baseball reference page. Um, last year was a really good year for Jose Quintana, kind of a little bit out of nowhere because the years prior were kind of a struggle for him. In his age 33 season, he got that one-year deal with the Pirates, kind of like a let's try him out, see what he's still got deal. And he pitches really well, 20 starts and a 3.5. He gets traded to the Cardinals and pitches even better down the stretch, has a really good second half for them, an ERA right above two in 12 starts, gets their number one wild card start, shuts out the Phillies, who the Phillies hit pretty much everybody in their playoff run. So I find that pretty impressive. And then the Mets ink him to a pretty team-friendly two-year deal, like very similar to the Taiwan Walker deal that was signed in 2021. So all good things. Yeah, I think this is a a perfect comparison to bring in Taiwan Walker because this is basically who he's replacing in my view. Yeah. He's that, that third, fourth, fifth guy. Um, Taiwan Walker was an all-star should have been an all-star last year, Mm -hmm. pitched really well. um, But he got expensive. He signed a huge four-year deal with the Phillies. So we're going to see him regularly. He deserved it. He earned it. He was a high prospect had a lull, had some injuries, then came over to New York, and New York did a great job. The Mets found him, gave him a two-year deal, and he was well worth the two-year deal. Um, So I'm happy that he got paid. But we had a spot to fill and an already thin rotation. And what you're getting from Quintana, first and foremost, is consistency. The guy Mm -hmm. throws innings. He starts 32 starts. So he, he burst on the scene with the White Sox at a young age, 23 uh, and then just logged 33 starts, 32, 32, 32, 32, uh, and then half of it in the south side and the north side of, of Chicago, 32 starts, and then he just goes through. A guy just pitches, and that's what you need when you have two old guys at the top of your lineup 
or at the top of your rotation that they're going to need some time here and there just to, to make sure that they're not broken. Uh, you need a guy like what Bassett did last year. Get yourself some innings, and Quintana's doing that. Plus, he comes at a probably a discount because, like you said, he had an incredible year last year. He's, he was incredible his first start of his season, his first six years. Then when he hit what it would have been his free agency, he had a big-time lull. League kind of figured him out. He started to try to go for strikeouts instead of being in the zone, it looked like. It could have been a, a, a number of factors, but um, he figured it out last year, and hopefully that continues because he's a very, very good pitcher who's reliable, and he has a very high ceiling, so I, I like it. Yeah, I love that you made a note of the innings thing. Uh, for four straight years in those early White Sox days, he threw over 200 innings, which is a very hard thing to do. Very Especially in your run. early 20s. He burst on yeah. the scene. He was 23. He made 22 starts. And then the next year at 24, 33, 32, 200, 200, 200. In 2017, he threw 188 in two-thirds innings. Um, and then he had some struggles on the north side when he went to, when he went to Wrigley uh for a few years and it's kind of he's been in that lull ever since and then last year it seemed like he broke back out because he had a during those runs he had a low era at a three five or under pretty much all those years so i don't see him as like an elite front end starter like he doesn't throw particularly hard he's got a really good curveball he commands the ball he's not gonna throw he's not scherzer verlander sure but he's also a very good pitcher who's figured some things out. He's going to be 34 next year. Um, I like the signing a lot. Yeah, I really like it too. And you could kind of argue that, you know, he made 32 starts last year, so a full season. Last season might have been the best season of his career. It's the only one with an ERA under three. Uh, he really got his control back on his fastball and his curveball. Um, and he, uh, one thing I want to note is that he's not a guy that tired out in the second half. In the second half, he had the third best MOB in, uh, ERA at 1.67 and the seventh best fielding independent pitching at 2.6. He also, and I really like this, let up the least amount of home run per nine of any qualified MLB pitcher at 0.4 home run per nine. And the Mets play in a division with Kyle Schwarber, Bryce Harper, you know, big time boppers, Matt Olson. And these are all left-handed batters that kind of killed the Mets last year. They could really get neutralized by a guy like Jose Quintana. And he signs a deal that's pretty much the same as the one Andrew Heaney signed with Texas, two years, $25 million. Heaney had a great year last year. These are really like, I don't view them as a tier below guys like Tywin Walker and Jameson Tyone. I believe they're, you know, fully the same kind of efficient quality pitcher. And Tyone and Walker, probably because of their age, both inked four-year deals above $68 million. So the Mets find a little bit of a better avenue to save some money because I don't think they're done spending yet. Yeah, I actually do put him in a tier underneath. Okay. I do because of the ceiling. Mm. Um, but I think it's a better buy for the Mets to go for a two-year 26, 13 mil a year. It's a pretty good discount considering what the other guys got. Like Tyone was a target, but I'm glad we didn't buy that, yeah. that contract. And Taiwan Walker has pitched great for the Mets, and I wish him nothing but the best. But I'm also glad that the Mets didn't give him that money. I just that's just how I feel. And I'm I'm excited because you can you can fill your rotation out with guys like this for the next two years or add another one more piece, a solid piece, do a shorter term deal, allow some guys to come in and develop 
um, and supplement them with a very high quality, lower cost starters. Yeah. And now the Mets kind of have a viable, somewhat viable six man rotation kind of here. They have Verlander and Scherzer at the top. They have Cookie and Quintana in the middle. And then you kind of have your question mark, what if guys with Peterson, McGill, Lucchese even. Um, So if the Mets want to load manage this year, help out sort of the older guys at the top, they have a pretty good opportunity to do so. And they may not even be done adding to this rotation. The one caveat with Quintana is that the reason he got that tried out deal with the Pirates in the first place is because the prior year he was not very good in 2021 pitch for three different teams uh, had a cumulative 6.43 ERA and a 1.67 whip did have still pretty good strikeout numbers but only through 70, 73 innings I think he was injured for part of the year and he kind of found it last year he is going to be another one of these kind of on the older side guys in the rotation he's going to be 34 years old next year that does make him I think the youngest man of the top four in the Mets rotation which is a little concerning uh, but overall very very happy about the signing very very happy about the money that was doled out and very excited to see Quintana pitch for the yeah Mets. me too he's solid he's a Colombian I like Colum- Colombians, uh, they're, you know, I don't know. They're just a, a fun breed of, of ball player. I like oh, yeah. their, their, their attitude. I lived over there for a couple of months, so I have, I'm partial to that. And he was an absolute superstar on the rise when he started. And then again, we talked about it. So I think he's a good fit. I like the, I like where he's going to slot in. The pressure will be, you know, kind of waned, but he's, you know, he's used to pitching, in those situations. I think he figured something out um, to be that consistent. It didn't do anything like start throwing a new pitch or start throwing harder. I think he just figured himself out at this point in his career, um, which comes at a, a, seems like a good discount for the Mets. Yeah, definitely. And uh, just to give a, a proper send off, uh, I'm going to miss Tywan Walker a lot. Just Me as too. the human being, Tywan was a, re- a really good dude to have on this team. Really, I think lived up to that two year deal, exceeded expectations for me, made an all star team at a 3.4 last year. He earned that deal with the Phillies for sure. And the Phillies do need, you know, pitching in their rotation. Um, I am glad the Mets, I think, steered in a different direction. It was probably best for both parties, I think, change of scenery type of thing. Uh, but Tom Walker is a fantastic pitcher. It's unfortunate that another one of my Mets favorites is going to be in the division playing against us, but very happy for Tom Walker. I'll, I'll tell you what, man, if I'm the Phillies, if I'm a Phillies fan, I'm excited by Taiwan Walker signing. Yeah, I think that sure. he fits into their rotation a lot more solidly than he would have our rotation in this instance, because you know, not to talk about division rivals, but they've got Zach Wheeler, true ace at the top. Aaron Nola, who is very, very, very good. Not on that same level, though, but can be with that curveball. And then they had Ranger Suarez, who kind of looked like incredible, still has some ceiling left, looked great. And then Tylen Walker as their, their three, four. Like, that's that's too, you know, what was very thin and top-heavy now becomes a little bit deeper. So if I'm if I'm the Phillies, plus they signed Trey Turner, oh they got to be feeling pretty good. Yeah, I mean, one, I almost forgot about the Trey Turner thing because it happened like three days ago and so much has happened since then. <laughs> uh, but two, yeah, kind of a weaker spot of the Phillies, you know, playoff run was their game four start because it was, it was no Syndergaard, it was Kyle Gibson, it was a bullpen game. Tomlin Walker is a really, really good guy to have at your number four. Very capable of making a playoff start, absolutely. Hell yeah. So good for Taiwan. 
Uh, but the Mets were not done getting lefties. They add to their bullpen, which is kind of something we've been waiting for because they address the starting rotation. They still have to figure out center field, whether it's Nimmo or somebody else. And the bullpen, you know, it's still kind of Edwin Diaz, Drew Smith, and then what else? Well, now the what else turns out to be Brooks Raley, who's a pretty good top-end bullpen relief guy. Coming from the Tampa Bay Rays, they deal Keyshawn Askew in the deal. He was not a Mets top 30 prospect. Guy with a funky delivery who I'll dive into a little bit later. Got some help from Jacob Resnick on that one. Good. I was going to say that's our guy. Yeah, that's our guy now. Uh, but Brooks Raley had a fantastic season last year for the Rays. He was a guy that I actually wanted the Mets to uh, check in on in free agency last year. In 2022, 53 and two-thirds innings at 2.68 ERA, 0.9 whip. Uh, strikeouts galore and was really, really tough against lefties. His lefty numbers are absurd, like absurd. And the Mets have kind of been trying to find their lefty in the bullpen for quite a while now, probably since, you know, the days of Jerry Blevins, not to toot your own horn, but really you're like, I can't think of a significant one from 2019, 2020, 2021 besides Aaron Loop. Um, So this is a really welcome trade as well. Yeah, the guy, uh, he went to uh, the KBO, went to Korea and established himself. He was a starter there, really, really found out who he was, mastered that slider. The You you wrote an interesting piece in the notes, and we talked about it a little bit before. When you think of, of um, really nasty sliders from the New York Mets, who do you think of? Think of Adam Adovino. Adovino. Adovino's slider and all that movement, the stuff was fun to watch. Well, according to statistics and analytics, his was the fourth most horizontal movement and Brooks Raley's slider was the third most. So it had more horizontal movement than Ottavino's, which is unfathomable to me. Mm. I don't even know who the two and one are. Like, I, that doesn't I make any check sense. check that out, actually. But, question. but you're getting a guy, first of all, who gets lefties and righties out. I think that's a key because the three batter minimum, all that stuff, I think is really good. He throws four pitches. He throws a, a sinker, which is rare for a lefty to throw that ball that gets down and in on you uh, from a left-handed that also makes you very effective against righties. Then he throws that slider mostly uh, to lefties and righties. He also has a very good changeup, and he throws a really solid cutter. So he has four legitimate pitches, which he mixes in quite a bit that makes him effective versus lefties and righties. Yeah, I mean, it's especially if you get out of, you know, back having both of these guys in your bullpen that can Going like this. tunnel those sliders. They can play catch with each other. It'd be, It'd be amazing. I want to watch that. <laughs> uh, catchers sitting right next to each other, bumping into each other. Um, if they throw on the, if they're throwing to each other, they throw it at the same time. Their, their pitches are coming like this. <laughs> It's a nightmare. <laughs> um, yeah, but I mean, it's only his sixth MLB season. When you look at his baseball reference, it's kind of a weird story. It is weird. I looked at it uh, yesterday when they signed him. Active in 2013, leaves for five years, which, you know, we've seen guys go overseas, hone their craft and come back. Five years is a long time to kind of be over there figuring your stuff out. But it worked out for Brooks, really, uh, for sure. And he came back to the Astros uh, in 2021. His numbers weren't amazing they didn't blow the the doors off anybody but he had he's kind of an analytical darling and i think that's probably what the rays saw and the rays invested pretty decent money in this guy considering what the rays usually spend um and i just i guess they decided to offload the contract to spend the money elsewhere so he's going to make 4.5 million this year which is a bargain for the kind of pitcher that he is and then a 6.5 million club option for 2024 so if all goes well the mets have their lefty reliever problem solved for at least the next two years which is a welcome sight for sure yeah he he you know, if anybody goes to these are the three teams that I look for to mm-hmm. find something. The Giants, 
who have a way of making guys better, yeah. the Astros and the Rays. And he visited both the Astros and the Rays. Pretty exciting stuff. Uh, and I think he's very good. He's, he's going to be, like you said, older, 34, 35, 36. Um, but relievers, that's what we do, you know? Yeah, and I, I think the the Rays probably saw a Brooks Raley in the making in Keyshawn Eskew because they get him for is he cheap. Left-handed? He is also left-handed, really okay. funky delivery. Uh, had a really good year in A ball last year, two point four four ERA, struck out a ton of guys, thirty four point zero K rate. Um, I'm Ooh. not heartbroken that the Mets let him go, but this is definitely a, a dude that was making waves in the Mets farm system last year. Probably going to rise up the ranks pretty quickly. Former tenth round pick, still a young kid. Uh, and I'm sure the Rays are going to apply some interesting things to him to make him even more nasty. But I think that's a, a good price to pay for the Mets. Good. Yeah. I mean, again, he's is he a reliever in the minor leagues? He's a reliever, yeah. See, I have no problem trading low-level minor league relievers that are successful because yeah. you never know. It's projecting major league success is hard enough as is. If you get somebody that's established at a cheaper deal that you can that can help you win a championship possibly now – and trade him for a wild card of a low A ball, um, you know, relief guy. You're not missing out. You're he's never going to be a Scott Casimir where you trade him and he comes back and you, it's haunting you. Yes, you'd be like, oh yeah, we had that guy. Who'd we trade him for? He can be. He can have a great career, um, but he's not going to haunt you. So, yeah, Victor Sambrano. That's a name that haunts <laughs> me forever as a Mets fan. Um, and Rayleigh's specialty, of course, is just bullying left-handed batters, which I think the Mets could definitely use with the aforementioned names in the NL East. Give, give me, do you have his numbers pulled up on what he did to lefties? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you right now. Uh, yeah, they're, they're incredible. Like it's, it's, it made me laugh because I was like, that can't be right. Uh, what he did was, was ridiculous. Yeah. So he held lefties to a 155 average of 482 OPS against, uh, the kicker That's that OPS. I really like. Uh, kicker that I really like is 60 strikeouts, which was a 37.3 K rate against lefties, just seven walks, which is a 4.3 walk rate and a 1.74 ERA. Uh, the days of the situational lefty are, are done, but this is a guy that can get lefties and righties out, uh, both sides of the plate. Very, this very is a guy that if Bryce Harper is up, you bring him in, he could still get out Reese Hoskins. Yep. And then and face, you know, Trey Turner or whatever the case may be, because he's God. he knows where to put the ball. He knows yeah. and sinkers keep the ball in the ballpark and he can cut it like I'm I really like the signing. If he can stay healthy, which it seems like he's figured out. Um, I think it's very exciting. We got an old ass team. Yeah, we got a really old team. <laughs> Depending on who you are, you might love it. You might hate it. Oh, like the Nationals won the World Series with the oldest team. So why can't, why can't we do it? And they had the de facto face of their franchise depart right before that happened. That's right. Really makes you think. Uh, I found the two other sliders with the most movement, Matt Brash of the Mariners and Evan Phillips of the Dodgers. There you go. Uh, Evan Phillips, okay. And Matt Brash, I didn't see enough of. So, again, yeah, I don't know. Stuff. Young kid. Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming. Yeah. Uh, Mets made some other minor league depth moves, like we mentioned before. Jake Mangum, who's kind of a, a fan darling in the Mets prospect list, he goes to the Marlins to complete that Elisa Hernandez and Jeff Brigham trade. Uh, kind of makes sense when the trade happened. We were kind of like, that's it. That's really all they want for these two, you know, major league dependable arms. Uh, this makes more sense. Mangum goes to the Marlins. Uh, Mangum wasn't a top 30 prospect guy. 
Um, really had plus speed, plus glove in the outfield. Batted really well last season, but never got a crack at the major league level. It's going to turn 27, so I like this move for him. He's going to finally get some major league reps. I'm sure the Marlins are looking for some outfield help, uh, so the pairing makes a lot of sense to me. I think uh, you've mentioned his name a few times, so I know he's been on your on your list. Um, it's he feels like a like your guy. Yeah, Does he feel like one of your guys. Where you want to see him, have, but yeah, he was one of my guys. You want to see you? You'll see him have success and be like, man, it would have been nice to see him in the the blue and orange. As long as it's not against us, <laughs> that's all I care about. Yeah, cool. Then uh, Zach Green, they picked yeah. up the rule five. Zach I don't know Green, anything about. Him. Teach me. I learned about him this morning. Uh, well, teach me from via <laughs> Resnick. Um, Zach Green, we drafted him from the Yankees in the Rule Five draft. Um, Yankees kind of have a history of pitchers getting drafted in the Rule Five draft and becoming Rule Five draft is is if you're if you're about to be protected on the forty man and they don't put you on the forty man, you're now available to all other teams. And this is like okay, they didn't the the Mets didn't value this guy. Well, we value him because we've scouted him. We're going to put him on our 40-man. And he has to stay on the 40-man uh, for the entire year or in the in the big leagues, depending. If it's the minor league side, it's not. But it, it's a little bit of a complicated process. But it's basically like, all right, you didn't protect that guy. You didn't value him. We think he fits better in our organization, so we're going to go for him. Absolutely. Yeah, so that's a good clarification for anyone that doesn't know. Um, and the Yankees have had some bad luck in the past with the rule five draft, obviously, you know, an organization that spends a lot plethora of talent, but guys that they haven't protected in the past include Nestor Cortez jr. Who they ended up getting back, which is good, but Gary, so they Whitlock, were right. What's up. They were right about him because he wasn't ready. I guess, I guess he wasn't ready. He went to the Mariners came back. So it all worked out, uh, but they did lose Garrett Whitlock. I think a couple of years ago to the Red Sox in this very same draft. Yeah. Um, I don't really know what Zach Green's going to be, but what I do know is they had really good numbers at AAA last year, which is always a plus. Uh, he threw 68 innings. He struck out 96 dudes, and he had a 3.42 ERA. So I'll welcome that any day of the week. Uh, he was a primary reliever, so I imagine that's the role he'll fill uh, with the Mets if he does get called up. And the Mets now poached Zach Green and Steven Ridings from the Yankees. All right, so that feels good. Yeah, I like so that. So the, the, the Rule 5 draft now – he has to be in the big leagues, correct? Uh, I believe so, yeah. He's got to be on the Yeah, so he has to stay on the roster. I just wanted to make sure because there's a minor league phase and there's a big league phase. Because then he can get uh, returned back to the Yankees. So now if he has to stay above where he would have been. So he has to be in the big leagues on the 26th man the entire season. If they option him down, they have to offer him back to the, the team that, that had him, so the Yankees, for 50 grand. And they can say, all right, we'll take him back, whatever the right. case may be. But right. this is a gamble to say, hey, that we think this guy could fit in the big leagues. And if not, we'll try to sneak him back into our organization. Really kind of risk free. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, if nothing else, Billy Epler has done a really good job just kind of filling out depth for this Mets kind of like quadruple A players filling out pitching depth behind the bullpen. Tommy Hunter's back, which is I exciting. saw that. Very, very I mean, cool. That's exciting. They My love Tommy. Too. They love Tommy. I love Tommy. I do I as well. Tommy. So, you know, that's that's that'll tell you a lot about a person's character. If a guy mm. has had some injuries and they keep bringing him back to be around, it means he's an awesome clubhouse guy. It means that he works hard, that that he's a likable person. And when he's pitching, he's pitching well. So I like the move. I think it's smart. It's again, it's hard to fill out depth when you are spending this much because you have 
locked so many locked spots on your roster. So having guys that are willing to come to you like a Tommy Hunter and possibly go up and down or fill in or start in the minor leagues, that kind of that's that's impressive. Jerry, I got I got a fun question for you. So All right. Tommy Hunter joining the old man brigade. He's going to turn 36 years old next year. I didn't, I guess I didn't realize how great he's been for the Mets. He's thrown 30 innings in the past two years. Guess what his ERA is? I bet it's under a two. It's 1.78. Tommy yeah, fucking dude, Hunter, he's pitched, baby. He's pitched so well. Crazy. Yeah. And there was phases. There were, there were times when he'd sat idle for a while. And he was kind of mop-up duty. He'd just come in and, and get people out. He's got that sinker. He was an analytics guy where they're like, you have a great four-seam fastball. Mm. Let's throw that four-seam. He's like, but I get people out all the time on my sinker. They're like, your sinker's average. He goes, I get people out. And so he tried, and it didn't really work out. And so he never stuck. Yeah. But after a while, you know, he, you know, whatever the case may be, but he just knows how to get people out and consistently. So it's old a sinker, man, man. Tommy, sinkers are nasty. Old They're man, coming Tommy back, by the way. Mix. They are for, for sure. Sinkers are coming, especially especially with the band shift. You're yeah. going to avoid barrels. That's one thing you 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 talked about Brooks Raley and his analytics. The, the whole pitching, every philosophy about pitching is you want to minimize hard hit percentage. You want to avoid barrels. You don't want the ball to get hit. He was in like the 98th, 99th percentile. Brooks Raley of missing barrels. Like yeah. he just knows how to keep the, the meaty part of the bat off the ball. It's, it's amazing. As good as, as, uh, as Jeff McNeil is at hitting the ball. I feel like Brooks Raley is really good at getting people to just miss. Yeah. Which is the key. Exactly. And I mean, but having the Tommy hunters of your organization are just as important in my opinion. Tommy's a guy that could probably, make the club again next year if this bullpen yep. remains you know he'll be in the big leagues right now. if he stays with the organization with the team he will be in the big leagues at some point because you're going to need you need depth you have guys that you have to fill in you'll you'll have he, there'll probably be two or three more yeah we're going to see Negosic in there we're going to see a bunch of depth guys that that come in and if you have quality guys that can fill in that that a part of a season where a thin organization that gets cheap on signing guys like Tommy Hunter, yep. you fill them in with guys that you have to call up from double a um, and they'll get lit up and, and be the moment will be too big for them and they'll just fall to the wayside and you'll lose a bunch of little games that you should have stayed competitive in because you didn't have enough depth. Yeah. This is another sign that this organization is very healthy because they're not trying to cut any corners they're not overspending, as you see with the Taiwan Walker. It would have been so easy for them to just give Taiwan the money yep. and bring him back. They're finding quality guys, staying competitive, but also filling out depth. It's very, a very good look for this organization. No, I love that you made that point because, you know, all the besides the huge signings of Verlander and Quintana, you know, there's been so many that have been kind of in the cracks, you know, and now you have a kind of any, any number of these guys between Nagosik and Hunter and, uh, Steven Ridings and Jeff Brigham, all these names that have kind of just piled up could all just start the year in AAA. And then you have one of the most stacked minor league depths right behind your actual bullpen. Uh, it's really, really cool. And it is like that, that rainy day fund that you mentioned. The Mets used to lose a lot of those games. I don't know if you've ever looked at the 2019 Mets bullpen numbers. They're, uh, they're interesting. And those were the guys that were up for, for most of the year. Oh, I and, watched it from Atlanta. Yeah. Laughing, I mean, laughing I that they too. didn't bring me back. 
like an angry laugh. Like, how dare you? You might have been the closer that year. I felt, <laughs> I felt, I did get a save against those Mets. Let's go. Let's go. Uh, again, they'll do it. You'll see it with a, they're going to sign some quality big league, minor league uh, invites, position player wise, to fill out the depth. They're going to sign, bring in guys to where you won't have a Khalil Lee. 19 year old kid forced to start in the outfield because you don't have enough depth. Right. They're going to, they're going to bring guys in that can fill in and do a replacement level job for very cheap because they're big leaguers. They just don't have a spot or they see a guy in your organization that, that has higher potential. They're going to let this guy feel it out. And this guy has no home, so he's going to bounce around. Still very quality, big league big league caliber players are going to fill in this organization. It's going to be fun to watch. If I were, if I were a very good kind of uh, bench piece for a team, I'm looking for, at a team like the Mets because they're going to call me up in the minor leagues because they want to win yep. versus if you're in a, a crappier organization that doesn't want to win, like you go to the Reds, they're going to call up a kid because they're going to give him time to play because they don't care if they win, right. but the Mets want to win. So they're going to call up a guy that's that they think can help their ball club and gap whatever, you know, injury that they're doing. Yeah, exactly. Or you're, if you're playing for the Reds, you're just playing to get traded at that point. If you're getting, yeah, it's not very fun, but that, you know what I mean? You're, you're, yeah. you're going to fill out your organization. You're going to call up guys with potential at some point if, if you think they're ready, but you're not just going to, you're not just going to, Go like this, like, well, we tried, you know, yeah. so you're going to have, you're going to have some depth. They're going to sign some guys on both sides of the ball that can play some baseball. I mean, when I, when I think back to last year, the only real time I can think of a scenario where that happened from the Mets, where they kind of had their hand forced and had to call up a young kid was the Jose Budo start, which was the Mark Canna two home run game. But that was necessity. There was, really that was also, yeah, that was also um, the weird double headers. Right. And the stacked the the delayed start, so those were a lot of a lot of factors went into that. But the fact that they didn't have to dig too much too too deep on a regular basis shows you, you know, again the the vitality of this organization to stay healthy um, to win some baseball games at the major league level. Hell, that's the goal. Yeah, and they're not done spending yet. They're so not sure done. They, they better not be done. Yeah. They still have. They, what, what are the needs uh, in your view? Obviously, Nemo. The Nemo question. So I still am working under the assumption that he goes elsewhere. That's my thought process. So it, it's it's tough to see the scenario where you know he comes back on any inkling of a team friendly deal. Nemo's going to get paid. Judge set that. He's going to have nine other offers that are going to be above it. And he's like, you guys can't match that. That's yeah. that's. Not I mean, Nimmo nice. was in San Diego at winter meetings, you know, meeting with these teams. Um, charming so, the, charming, charming the socks off that of everybody. Country smile, baby. Lighten uh, people up. <laughs> uh, so, obviously, Nimmo is, is a necessity in just filling center field in general, and the options mm. are thin because a lot of them went in this past week. Uh, outside of that, you know, you could roll into this season with this rotation. Um, I think the Mets might be open to adding another starter. Who knows? And then the bullpen after that. So, I mean, the work is not done yet. Uh, the Mets, I think, could could right now field a successful team, not the 101-win team we saw last year, uh, but still a winning team. But I don't think how that's you, satisfactory. To how me. would you feel about them adding Jared Eikhoff? Um, That's like a... 
I'm just kidding. I actually, you know, you know, but the, yeah. I didn't want to be mean. It might be a friend of yours. I, I actually do like Jared. Yeah. Um, Seems like a nice guy. His post-game presser was great. Yeah, he, he understands. Uh, yeah. But I think, you know, he just had a tough run in Queens. Yeah, and I figured as a as a volatile fan on occasion, <laughs> you, you'd have some feelings on oh, him. What are you talking about? No way. Yeah. What are you talking about? But yeah, so I, I, I think they still need two more bullpen, significant bullpen pieces, two more Brooks Raley-esque signings. Yeah. It'd be nice. Ottavino is one that, that seems like – Fingers uh, crossed. Yeah, it, it makes easy. me worried a little bit that it's taken this long. Yeah. Uh, that Because you want a guy, you give him an offer. If he wants to be there, he accepts an offer. Like, you, you meet in the middle. So the fact that it's kind of been out there a little bit, and he's a, you know, he's a New Yorker. The fact well, that he I mean, will... the one thing I'll say is that we didn't sign out of Vino until March last year. Right? Yeah, but it's different. Now, he... Yeah, sure. yeah. It's a new, it's a new, a new scenario. Yeah. Um, it makes me worried that that he's kind of out there. I can't, I could see the Yankees also courting him. You think so? Trying to come back, back, come back to the Bronx. He, well, was he so likes New York, here. right? He What's that? To, he, he likes New York. I figure he wants to be here. Well, he lives here. Yeah, he's yeah. from here. Yeah. yeah. So that wouldn't shock me. He's from New York, but he's he's he lives in New York. I'm hoping Uh, the Mets bring him back because he was awesome last year, and that just that kind of just feels like a fit. Yeah, and it feels like it's repeatable too. What he was doing, Um, it's it feels it wasn't like a fluky. Again, we keep talking about Aaron Loop. You and I both talked about it. Aaron Loop was going to sign a deal because of he he was unbelievable in a Mets uniform, and I'll be grateful for it. But we didn't expect him to match those numbers, but you would have if he came back in a uniform. The first time he gave up like a home run, you'd have been like, oh, yeah, now, you know what I mean? And so I feel like what Adam Adovino did last year is sustainable and can move over to this year. Yeah, I think so too. And even if the the fixing the bullpen means just bringing back guys you had last year, that's fine. The Mets had a really good bullpen last year and they added Mm -hmm. one outside piece to it. Um, I do think... Seth Lugo is probably gone just because of the rumor that teams want him to be a starter. And I think that's Good probably him, by the way, what he wants. I I'm think, very honestly. surprised. Yeah. I'm very surprised that he's got as much. I mean, he's a, he's an analytical darling. Like yeah. teams that look at, look at spin and all that stuff. They're like, dude, you can come and pitch. You have 11 pitches. You want to start, you can start. And if Lugo wants to do that, good for him, man. I, he's always viewed himself as a starter um good good for him i hope he gets that chance and i hope he thrives uh but again it's it's a fit for a different organization if that's what he wants to do um but yeah. he'll, he'll be missed that's a spot that we got to fill that's a, yeah that middle relief seventh inning guy will definitely be missed and you know i mean as evident from taiwan's deal tyone's deal and Verlander's deal, especially starting pitching is expensive. So if teams can find a way to get creative or find an avenue where it's a little bit less money, like the Mets Quintana deal, I think they're going to act on it. So I, I fully expect million dollars is a, is a cheap deal as a starting pitcher. Again, now I, I, now I know why Lugo wanted to be a starter. Yeah, man. So that's where the big bucks are. Yeah. Curious to see what contract he gets. Very, very curious. Yeah, I know he's older too. And so it'll be, it'll be interesting. Um, but yeah, so I think they have they have center field or corner outfield spot, depending on yeah. how they view it. They have two more bullpen pieces. They have a, a shot maybe at the 
one more depth style rotation piece. And then this team seems ready to go. Ready to go. Yeah. So as long as the stove finally cools down, I think next week we can probably do our, our life without Nimmo episode. I think. Yeah. I well, by that time we'll pro he'll probably be signed to a, a 18 year. Okay. $645 million deal. $1.4 billion deal. Yep. To, Can you imagine how big that smile would be? It's gonna be a big one. <laughs> that press conference is gonna be fun. Oh, I'm excited to see it wherever wow. he goes. He deserves um, it, man. What a guy! To close the show, I'll read a, a Michael Mayer tweet that literally just popped up for me. Uh, over okay. a dozen teams have shown interest in Seth Lugo, but to this point, the Mets have not been one of them. Yeah, I wonder if it's because of the starter. I wonder if he I and his agent. Is. I wonder if Lugo and his agent was like, "Hey, we want to be a starter," and the yeah. Mets are like, "Look, we can't, we can't do that." Yeah. So good um, luck to Seth then. Yeah, man. Good luck to him. I wish him nothing but success. And that's one of those things where as a player, he's, he's probably um, not bitter. He's grateful, obviously with the way he stayed in uniform and him and Nemo went out and like soaked it in as a New York Met. He's very grateful for where he's at, but he sees himself with a higher ceiling as a starting pitcher. Yeah, he felt probably like he should have been given a bunch of opportunities to start and stay in the rotation. Always dreamed of it, swallowed his pride and stayed in the bullpen and did a great job for the Mets. Uh, and now he's finally got some freedom of his own to choose. Good for him. I wish him nothing but the best to, to make it far enough to where you can decide where your home is and what you want to do and be good enough to be like, look, I don't want that. I want this. It's amazing. Good for yeah. him. Fully agree. And I think that's that's probably all I got for today. Me too. Me too. Yeah, solid up. Let's do some fun stuff. They'll probably do more fun stuff in the immediate future. They've so, they've been known to to keep surprising and Kodai Singa coming. Uh that's my hope. Yeah, that would that be I, can we just I would I would spend two minutes talking about that. Yeah. To me, that is uh he's a Japanese right-handed starter. That is the ideal next kind of piece that the Mets can do. Yes. For a couple of reasons. Number one is the guy is filthy, throws 100, has a nasty slider, but it's not a guaranteed for sure kind of Otani style, Tanaka style thing because he's got some issues. He's got some control issues, some, some consistency issues. So they don't, they're not like a true number one but he would be a number four, five sign that has the potential to be a number one. He legitimately yeah. has the ceiling of a, of an A style starter. It's a great sign. It would be perfect for him because he could come over, be in New York, which is huge, a huge market for him. Um, being a Japanese player to let your, your countrymen follow you around. It's just easier to be in New York. And he wouldn't have the pressure to have to be great and be a number one, which he was in Japan. He could just fall back. He would be behind Scherzer. He would be behind uh, Verlander. And he would be behind Quintana or at least level with that without having to be their ace going up against the best of the best in the league. It's ideal for both sides. And it's going to be expensive. I would rather spend taiwan walker money on kodai singa mm -hmm. because of the potential than you know 
than a consistent number four. Again, that's just me, but I yeah. think that would be amazing. I think it fits both sides so well. It would be so exciting. Having a real true Japanese like star on your team is so fun. I got to play with a few guys. It's fun for your ball club. It's fun for the player. It's it's just exciting. Yeah. No, I definitely agree. And I think a lot of Mets fans would agree with you too. And you know, I think the market for him is going to be competitive. He's on the younger side. You kind of don't know what you're going to get, but it's a guy who throws a fastball at 100 and a forkball at 90 miles per hour. That's very, very, very a fork cool. Ball. Isn't it? I mean, why do Japanese players always get the fun gyro ball fork? Listen, ball? man, we lo- we loved Taiwan Splitty. I think we would love Senga's fork even. <laughs> <laughs> what? Well, I still don't know after 39 years of, of being in baseball, the difference between a fork ball a splitter like they're all I think they're the same, right? Yeah, they're all the same. They're just the way they <laughs> pop out. Uh, I mean, yeah, man. I just think it'd be competitive. Let's sure. let's let's put together a uh, a Kodai, you know, montage of us being like, "Come on over, man. We'll tag them." I got my video them on them already. If you want to learn more, go check out my channel. Hey. Oh, you have a video? I didn't know. Yeah. See, oh, it's I'll doing check it's it doing out. numbers because right it. everyone's trying to find it. Click this link right there. <laughs> Jack just got so annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Sorry, Jack. <laughs> All right, we will see you guys next week, either for more news or more off-season talk. Maybe some stuff about Koda. Like, I would enjoy yeah, it. Yeah, we'll do it all. All the above. We'll talk. All right, buddy. Thanks. All right, guys. Good episode, man. Let's see go Mets. Soon. Let's go Mets.